Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. A story behind today's message. I looked up on the scriptures because I knew I was rostered on. And as you know, our current series that we're doing is titled Apprentice. And the title of today's episode, uh, series is At War with God. So I get out my Bible and I check out the books, Bible reading for today. And it said Genesis chapter 2, verses 22 to 31. Well, guess what? Genesis chapter 2 finishes at verse 25. And I can't imagine standing here this morning talking to you about how God caused Adam to go to sleep while he removed a rib. So I kept putting it off and putting it off. And yesterday morning I thought I'd better do something about it. Otherwise, I'm going to get up here and waffle, which I do a lot. And then the computer went, and all these numbers came up on the screen. And one, one page came up, it said, Genesis 32, 22 to 31. I thought, oh, I'll have a look at that. And it was today's Bible message. So, let's continue. The series we're doing at the moment is titled Apprentice. And according to the Oxford Dictionary, an apprentice is a person who is learning a trade from a skilled employer, having agreed to work for a fixed period at low wages. And today we're going to be looking at, as I said, being at war with God. Have you ever doubted God? Been angry with him? Frustrated? Felt defeated, unloved. Oh boy, have we got news for you. <laughs> Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sorting out today's message, for giving us ears to hear and tongues to speak so we can spread your message, hearts to receive your message and to share it with our loved ones, with our fellow brothers and sisters. And I want to thank you for us all being here today. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Em, can we please have today's Bible reading up on the screen? Yay! And of course, being at war, Jacob wrestles with God, which is actually Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, 
his two female servants. I'm reading from the board because I don't have my Bible with me. And his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabuk. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that the hip was wretched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Beniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. And the sun rose above him as he passed Phenyol, and he was limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. So today, we are going back in time, back to the book of Genesis, back to when Isaac and Rebecca became the parents of twin boys. Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body. The one people will be stronger than the other people, and the elder will serve the younger. We all know that Esau was the firstborn, quite red and hairy. Like my brother says that most babies look like Winston Churchill when they're born. So you can imagine what Esau looked like. But Jacob came out holding on to his brother's heel. Esau, as I said, he came out like a hairy garment. And Jacob came out holding his heel. And he was called Jacob, and that name means he takes the heel. A hint of rivalry that Jacob would later generate. I wonder if this rivalry was based on the fact that his parents played favourites. Jacob was Rebecca's favourite child and Esau was Isaac's. Naturally, as the firstborn, Esau got the birthright and the blessing, but he didn't appreciate it. In fact, the Bible tells us that he sold it to his brother for a bowl of stew. And with the help of mum, Jacob deceives his almost blind father into giving him the blessing that should have gone to Esau. And then mum tells him to shoot through. So he goes to his uncle Laban, where he himself is a victim of deceit. 
He wants to marry Rachel, but good old Uncle Laban swaps wives with a drunk Jacob and puts his eldest daughter, Leah, in the wedding bed, thus ensuring that his dear nephew will work for him for another seven years free of charge while he earns his bride. The story of Jacob the swindler continues. And as we know, he deceived his hungry brother Jacob into giving up his birthright. He deceived his brother, uh, father sorry, into giving him his blessing. He went on to desert, deceive his uncle Laban into giving him the best sheep of the flock. So Jacob decides to skedaddle and return to face his brother that he received, deceived so long ago. And Jacob is positive that his brother hates him. Coming upon the river Jabbok, Jacob sends his wives, cattle, slave, concubines, everything he owns, he sends it on ahead. He's alone. And he's waiting anxiously for the next day's meeting with Esau. Most likely, he was pacing up and down, remembering that night, years before, when he fled his brother's wrath and dreamed that strange dream of a ladder to heaven. As on that lonely night, here on the back, bank, banks of the Jabot River, Jacob has another God encounter. Scripture says that Jacob wrestled with an angel in the night. But since an angel literally means messenger from God, we're not exactly sure what form that messenger took. The text in one place clearly states that the opponent was a man. But the story also says that Jacob fought with God. Modern psychology might suggest that Jacob struggled with himself as the memory of the mistreatment of his brother Esau came back to him. Try to imagine the many possibilities for the identity of Jacob's opponent. Was it an angel? A man? Was it God? Was it Jacob's own memory of his traitoring to Esau? Was it Jacob's own divided and tormented soul? The Bible clearly tells us that a man traveller came upon the campsite that night, shared the campfire, listened to Jacob's story and then relentlessly pounded Jacob with the kind of questions that held him accountable for his past deeds and made him face to face with his sacred responsibilities. What if the conversation they had went this way? G'day, mate, said the stranger. What brings you to these parts? Going home, said Jacob. How long you been away, said the stranger. Oh, long enough to get me two wives, two concubines, 11 children. Long enough to become rich with flock and herds and slaves. Oh, crikey. Sounds like it's long enough to worry if the mess you made years ago is still waiting for you. 
long enough to wonder if the family you left years ago might forgive you. Oi, you know nothing about me. I'll pull the other one, mate. Why, a rich bloke, beds down at the ford of the Gibraltar, all alone, no servants, no family. Why, an innocent man is spooked as if every other night sound is an assassin's footfall. I got until break of day to hear your story. Tell it true. Tell it all. If you tell me the painful parts, you might be able to walk away from me from here in the morning feeling the old wounds, but able to limp on ahead into some hope. Bob's your uncle. How do we know that the man Jacob wrestled with was not an angel he was unaware of? The main point is that the message was delivered. And as we know, sacred messages can come to us in ways that are both scary and heavenly, both scarring and healing. At daybreak, the messenger stranger is ready to move on. But Jacob can't bear to be alone and he holds on to the man for his dear life and Jacob begs him not to go without giving him a blessing. Unaware that he's probably already received it. So the stranger confers on him a new name with a counterintuitive meaning. And that new name is Israel. And the meaning of the word Israel is the person who struggled with God and wins. To lose a wrestling match with God is really to win. It's like the contest that my kids and I used to have over the wishbone, each of us holding on to the, the biggest part until it snapped somewhere in the middle. Superstition or, or whatever winds up the bigger piece of the bone is the winner. But my wish was always a prayer for my children. Wrestling with God just might be like that. Wrestling with God means we do not lose what we were wishing for in order to get something better. I'll just repeat that. Wrestling with God means we do not, we do lose what we will rest. Oh, can I start again? I don't know why I'm so tongue-tied this morning. Wrestling with God means we do lose what we were wishing for in order to get something better. Now, Jacob had a new name, Israel. The one who struggles with God wins. Israel became the name for all of Jacob's descendants. So what have we learnt today? Short, sweet, straight to the point. Sometimes we see meanness attributed to God. And we have to admit that although the overreaching sweep of the biblical story is saving. Not every biblical writer and can, 
Not every biblical person over the course of many centuries always got it right. Did, did Adam get it right? Moses went through a lot to get it right. They have to go through the experience before you can get it right. If we don't fight back and name what's wrong, if we don't wrestle with the Bible, we will lose the possibility of every blessing by these very scriptures. We need to ask questions. We need to get God to give us the answers. We need to be open to receive those answers. Wrestling with God, with life, and with ourselves if necessary, the blessing will come in a wounding of some sort. For most of us, it is an entire life of limping along to see the real blessing in our life. Sure, some of us struggle through life and never are blessed with a deeper sense of God's priorities because we've got too many outside influences in our lives. God's presence, God's vision. Some people struggle with scripture or with their own wounds or with life's deep questions and never receive the deeper blessing. Some continue to grasp tightly at false confidence, possessions and self-image, never opening up themselves to better blessings. But God can take life's inevitable wounds and he can turn them into a blessing. Maybe you've held on to a sorrow or a disillusionment, opened to a deeper layer, layer of reality, a more authentic way of living in this world is a blessing. Maybe you had to leave some things on the other side of the river Jabbok before you could move forward in your blessing. Maybe you would like to share that experience of a wound that eventually became a blessing so that you may bless somebody else who is doing it tough. Think about it. Grab an exercise book. Write about it. Talk about what God has done and not done for you. And eventually, one day, you'll look back and you will see the big picture. And believe me, it's well worth it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we only see one picture at a time, just like a jigsaw puzzle. And that's what our world is like, because you know what the completed picture looks like. But we don't, we're human, we can't comprehend. Help us to put our trust, our faith, and our love in you. So that you are the glue that holds the next piece of our puzzle of life together, so that we can see the big picture.
Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.